Hi there, everyone. I'm Gwen Jones, and welcome once again to the I'm a Rotarian podcast, the weekly podcast where I introduce you to amazing people that proudly call themselves Rotarians. Well, before we get to today's guest, let me say Happy New Year, everybody! Happy 2022! I hope your holiday season was awesome, and I hope the new year is filled with joy and laughter and fun and excitement. I hope 2022 is a blast for all. And the whole idea that one of your first things is to check out the podcast? Well, from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much. And this week, I have an amazing show for you. Jim Elliott joins me this week. Jim is the founder and president of the Dive Heart Foundation. Now, now, that sounds like something else, but it's Dive Heart. In fact, we've traveled all around the world in this podcast. Today, we're traveling underwater. Intrigued? I hope so. Join us, won't you? Jim Elliott's joining me to talk about water and diversity this week on the podcast. And as always, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am super excited. I have a new friend and I didn't have to travel around the world. I know the last two or three podcasts that you guys have listened to, we've been in New Zealand and we've been in London and we've been, well, now we're we're going to head to the good old USA into the middle of the Midwest to talk about diving. Because, you know, when you think Midwest, you think scuba diving, don't you? We're meeting uh, Jim Elliott, who is the founder and president of the Dive Heart Foundation. And we're going to let you tell, he's going to tell you what that is, but I couldn't be more excited to welcome to the show because I've done my research about Dive Heart and I think the audience is going to love it. Hi, Jim. How you doing? It's wonderful. It's sunny and crispy, cool here in Downers Grove, Illinois, just west of Chicago. Well, because, hey, because when I, like I said, when I think of scuba diving, I don't think Mexico. I don't think the Caribbean. I, I think Illinois. Yeah, Chicago, right. <laughs> Chicago. Yeah, and cold, dark water. Good. Yeah. I know. I, I yeah, I, the, I don't know. I don't know. Diving in the Great Lakes. I don't know. I, I myself am an epileptic, so pressure and water is not something I uh, can do, but I have two daughters that love it. But Let's get to the down and dirty. Mm -hmm. Please introduce yourself because all I did was founder and president of the Dive Heart Foundation. What the heck is the Dive Heart Foundation? Well, we're a a 501c3. We're a nonprofit based in Downers Grove, Illinois. Uh, This is our 20th anniversary. Yay. Yay. And um, did not, I, I founded it, did not start as a diving guy, started as a journalist. I uh, only took diving in junior college because I thought if I ever meet Jacques Cousteau, yeah. I better know how to dive, right? So anybody under maybe 40 might not know who Jacques Cousteau is. Yes, but, but if you have tanks on your back and you scuba dive, you really know who Jacques Cousteau is because he's the man who made that happen. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So long story short is I, I transitioned. I was journalism major, was recruited out of college 
college by the Chicago Tribune, went to WGN Radio, helped start up a TV station for the Tribune Company, um, had children with disabilities. My dad was a disabled Army vet. So I'd been around it a lot. I was comfortable with it and got my, my daughter into downhill skiing. And that turned her life around in the 80s. And I went, wow, you know, if skiing can do this, I know what diving can do. Because getting somebody out of a wheelchair and getting, getting them standing up in a pool is amazing. It would be it would be amazing. I didn't know at that time. Um, so I yeah. So I, let's I, so let's back up and tell people exactly what Dive Heart is. Dive Heart is diving classes for people well, with disabilities. Well, you know, we, we we have different books of business. Is that an oversimplification? Um, okay. One part of what we do, definitely. Um, we, we have different books of business, I call them, where as a 503 is a nonprofit of which I am a volunteer, I don't draw a salary. Um, we have uh, the programs that we do. We work with children and veterans and others with disabilities, getting them out of wheelchairs, getting them in the water, doing what we call scuba therapy. And then we do have a research component where we have 11 years of symposiums that we've done with university medical centers around the country. We just had five occupational therapy doctoral candidates come to us to do their residencies during COVID, which is unbelievable. I mean, we had to cancel 11 trips and 200 pool programs during COVID. And this all of a sudden came to us. Um, one of our instructors at COVID very early on last year, 12 days on a ventilator, given last rites in the hospital, he survived. And we're just like, thank the Lord. But it taught, I, I canceled all our programs. I go, I'm not killing anyone on my watch. So research is another part of what we do. And this has been a magnificent year with research. We can now offer continuing education credits to occupational therapists, uh, recreational therapists, and physical therapists. So, you know, they have to get their CEUs every year. And we can offer that now by doing a presentation for scuba therapy. So thank you. I mean, if you're ever going to thank COVID for anything, this has given us this chance to do this. We also trips because our training program, we're a, we're a training agency under our umbrella where we help instructors and, and divers around the world um, become adaptive. We call them adaptive dive buddies. They dive with adaptive divers. They don't dive with people with disabilities. We don't call people handicapped or disabled. We call them adaptive divers. So our trips are very experiential. They're, they're total immersion trips where we we go like 24 seven for a week and we're just kind of like training you. You're having breakfast, lunch, and dinner with people with disabilities and you're, we're getting you in the water in the morning with that. And we're training you and beating you up in the afternoon. And it's really, it's very intensive, but it's kind of like, you know, you're going to go in as an infantryman in the army, or you're going to be a Navy <laughs> SEAL or special forces. We'd like to think of ourselves as that level and knock on wood, we haven't had a hospitalization. We haven't had a death in, in what we do, which is unique to the dive industry because really you're on life support underwater and it's, it's challenging. Um, but when you're trained, right, it makes all the difference. All um, right. So let me, let me break it down into three different, cause that, though, that could be three shows right there. So let me get to, let me break these down one at a time for our audience. First of all, adaptive divers. Okay. So explain to me working with the adapted divers, that 
one finger, what one section? What do you guys do with adaptive divers? Sure. Well, we have programs all over the world, as far as far away as Malaysia and Borneo. Wow. I've trained program. I've trained uh, in in Australia and China and Israel, and I've worked, stayed, and worked with Rotarians in those areas to grow the program because it's a community based program. And it, one out of five people in the world have a disability. So when you have autism or Down syndrome or cerebral palsy or spinal cord injury or traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, all those are under our umbrella. We work yeah. with individuals in the community. I work with Rotarians in Malaysia, for example. I present to them and go, you need to identify people in your community that could potentially benefit from what we do. And they do that. And then what we do is have our team work with them and get individuals with amputations or spinal cord injuries or whatever in the water and have them escape gravity. Now, the physical disabilities is kind of the easy button. It's like the thrill for me is getting somebody out of a wheelchair and have the person stand up and look down and go, oh, my God, I'm standing up for the first time since my injury. That that just is the high for me. Right. Cause there is no, so once you're, yeah. Cause once you're in, in water, all of us float, all of us move. Doesn't matter if you're 55 pounds or 500 pounds or with yep. a leg or without a leg or handicapped. And, and you say autism that fascinates me because that has to do with a uh, stimulation is working in water. Does that help them because of the silence of water, kind of the really? sensory decrease that goes on in water that's that's very very intuitive very right on the spot um we did the first study on autism and scuba therapy with midwestern university here in downers grove illinois and what we found is that if you know somebody with autism which is really an epidemic right so mm -hmm. many young people have it um pressure vests and weighted blankets are therapy for them sensory right. deprivation rooms are therapy for them we take people who are, are very high functioning in the autism spectrum and nonverbal and very, very involved in the autism spectrum. And we work with all of them. And what we found is that when they're underwater, the triggers are gone on the surface. Right. right? No longer, you know, so they go underwater, the ambient pressure increases as you go underwater. Right. So now they have this ambient pressure. So they have the pressure vest. They don't have the same triggers. We're doing cool stuff underwater. We're, we're playing rockets with them or doing puzzles or whatever. And they're, and they're able to do something and they're able to float. I mean, they look around and, and on their face, they're like, oh my God, I'm like, floating like Superman or Superwoman, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's the cool factor, right? So now we take videos, photos of them. And we after a pool session, we might last 30 minutes to an hour. We send them home with that. And now they share that on with their family and fa on Facebook or wherever. And now they're like, wow, dude, they're self-identifying now as a diver and not as someone with a disability, not as someone with autism, right? Right. And, and that's what we found is so powerful and what, and, and what scuba therapy is all about. So the, I don't want to simplify it by saying the easy thing of someone with a spinal cord injury, being able to stand, that makes sense. The, the sensory giving away, you know, making that channel down for autistic, how does going underwater 
help somebody with post-traumatic stress. And I do add that this isn't always military. You have people that have, you know, been in bank robberies or people that have had, you know, violence in their life that can cause post-traumatic. How, again, is diving going to help somebody with that? John Hopkins uh, went with one of our teams uh, down to the Cayman Islands. Now, this did happen to be veterans with spinal cord injuries and and post-traumatic stress disorder. And they discovered that when you get deep enough, 66 feet underwater, which is three hours, there's an extra output of serotonin in the human body. This helps with pain management and anxiety. So during the Hopkins pilot study, 80% 80% of the PTSD symptoms that they that the participants had were alleviated, 80%. And then the, the chronic pain that they've had was also alleviated, the pain management. And, and we've known this. For, Is that because they were underwater, you think? Because their body was able to basically just be? I mean, yeah, imagine being in a wheelchair every day and you have, you have this, you're sedentary. I mean, this weight on you and you have to, you have to kind of do, you know, shift around to transfer the weight so that you don't get decubiti and and you don't get these sores and all that kind of stuff. But when you get in zero gravity now and you're, you're, you're not in your chair anymore. Now right. circulation and your vas- there's vascular benefits. And I've had people that are way above my pay grade in medicine say it helps with your bladder integrity. It helps with, re- you know, you can get range of motion. So that's why we want to build a deep warm water therapy pool so that we can replicate in a confined, warm, safe water environment what we see in water, which you can't always go to, right? I mean, weather is a factor, travel is a factor, finances is a factor. So we want to build a place here in the Chicagoland area, because I'm, you know, from here. Right. Because um, again, scuba diving, think in the Midwest. No, yeah, yeah, Chicago. <laughs> but, but I mean, we we have tra- trained instructors all over the world and instructor trainers and work with therapists and researchers all over the world saying, is, is this, is this, is there anything to this? Here's what right. we're seeing. We're seeing chronic pain where people come up on day two of a dive trip and roll up in their wheelchairs and go, Jim, this is the first time I've been pain free since my injury. And they last two weeks after the trip. So they're mm-hmm. pain free that week. And then two weeks later, it starts coming back. So you get a benefit of three weeks. From so, that. so I've, I'm, it seems like everything has a research element to it. So mm-hmm. that sounds amazing to me. Um, you say you're, you're wanting to build this deep pool and I, and I want to get more involved with that, but are these divers going in open water? Again, going back to the post-traumatic or the autism cases, there's a lot going on in water. Yes. I know you mentioned weather, but, you know, fish yeah. and coral and that is stimuli. It, you know, I'm a snorkeler and I know looking it down is. at that stuff is incredibly stimulating. So how come that isn't negative stimulation or do we know yet? You know, it's a really good question. What what we want to do is 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 take people and create a paradigm shift in their life. So it's not Johnny in a wheelchair anymore. It's Johnny the scuba diver, and that's how they self-identify. And right. then we want to point them towards coral reef restoration and marine biology and all the things you're talking about, make them good stewards of the environment. And Rotarians all over the world help us with this. Um, what we're hoping to do is by creating this facility is 
Right now, there are five deep warm water pools in the world. Uh, Brussels was the first, and most recently it was Korea and Dubai. Dubai and Korea, you know, it's kind of like a contest. It's like if your pool is 100 feet, I'm going to 130. If your pool is 130, I'm going to 150. Right? It's a guy. <laughs> and these are and these are warm all the way. The guy thing. Yeah, it's a guy thing. yeah, they're not as warm as the pool we're going to have as a therapy pool, but they are they are warm pools, um, and and they've taken a lot of the designs that we made public years ago for because we were originally going to do a 40-foot pool and went the the proposal went through Heinz VA all the way to Washington through the VA. And and then all of a sudden Hopkins study came out and we went, whoa, we we don't want to stop at 40. We want to go to 130, which is a maximum depth for recreational scuba. You know, if I were to teach you as an open water diver, that would be as deep as you can go. Mm-hmm. And unless you took technical dive training. So we wanted to do that. And, and so we kind of made all of our 40 foot designs public. And sure enough, I mean, all these other pool companies, when you look at their designs, it, it's like, wow, that looks a lot like what we put out there 10 there years ago. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. But that's great. You know, you know, um, it's the greatest compliment, right? Flattery, you know, if you right. copy, if people copy you. So we're we're now we have six patents that we've applied for with Schiff Hart Hardner Law Firm on the design of our pool, which is very different than the five deep pools out there. And we're really reaching out to everybody we know now. And this is a very opportune time because we we are really kind of saying we have a gift of land in North Chicago, which is mm-hmm. right down the street from wow. Great Lakes Naval Base and Lovell VA Center and Abbott and AbbVie and, and Rosalind Franklin, you know, a huge university medical center. And, and we have this land guaranteed. Mayor of North Chicago is a, a diver and he, he loves us. And he says, here's the land. Mm-hmm. Here, here's the gift. You just got to raise the money for the pool. And so that's where we're at right now. And we're putting together a PowerPoint movie kind of thing, which shows, I mean, we can't show everything we do. We have 200 news stories at diveheart.org, our media kit, our YouTube channel, just, you don't have, I mean, 11 years of symposiums with top hyperbaric physicians from Duke University or Northwestern University, you know, and rehab. There's no way to put that all in a- In 10 minutes. So, so I want it. So you've got the research and it sounds to me like you yourself aren't necessarily doing the research. You're doing something that's so state of the art that all of a sudden Hopkins or MIT or Duke or some of these other places are going, gosh, these guys are actually doing something. You have the land, you want to do these pools. And if I'm understanding you right, an adaptive diver is somebody who's learned in open water, but one thing that people with, if we're not saying with disabilities, with different lifestyle options, I don't know what to call it. I don't know. You, you tell me what the right vernacular is. I think it's okay to say people with disabilities. People That's with disabilities. Point. Okay. Uh, so I, I know we're, we're, I try to be as PC as possible and I still sure, manage sure. to mess it up. No. But right it sounds like you're actually, the little tidbit you threw in, if everybody was listening, is that when it comes to open water, the coral and the fishes and everything doesn't seem to overstimulate. In fact, you're trying to teach these people careers. So there's even an educational Mm -hmm. moment that maybe this young man or young woman that has autism 
this works for them in such a way they're functioning autistic and off they go to get a marine biology degree and come back and actually start saving coral and all that kind of stuff because that's what they taught through you is that is that an over exaggeration or is that what we're kind no, of that's that one of the the fingers no. that you talked about yeah vocational opportunities for individuals with disabilities and all abilities is one of our goals to make people good stewards of the environment. Right now, the oceans, 80% of the world is ocean. So right. if we can get a handle on how to be good stewards of that environment, we're going to save all of us a lot of trouble down the road. So that's one of our, our major goals is to do that. But you can't you can't do that. You can't get people deep enough to experience some of the benefits we've seen in open water unless you build it deep, warm water confined. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So that's where I'm understanding. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Lake Michigan is deep. We can get you to 300 feet or 200 feet or whatever it is, but it's cold and it's dark and you need thick wetsuits and you need a lot of weight and it's it's just onerous. It really is. Right. Okay. If I can put you in a 93 degree pool and you don't need a wetsuit and I have a team around you that's going to keep you safe because they're mm-hmm. highly trained. That's how that's how we're going to crank out thousands of adaptive divers, not, you know, hundreds. Right. And so all of a sudden you've got the therapy of it. You have the vocational education part of it. Right. I'm, I'm just trying to knock out how many of our seven degrees of Rotarians that you're knocking out with this one project is you've got the environmental, the vocational, the adaptability part. Um, I think if we can get clean water and sanitation in there somewhere, you've knocked off like all of them. Um, but so I have something for you, th- a question for you that these guys don't wear tanks, do they? I mean, these are the, the equipment you take them down in, do you take them down like good old Jacques Cousteau's tanks on their back with belts around them or do they have are they do they go down with perhaps a cable from up above how how do these scuba divers scuba dive with you the answer is yes and yes um, okay yeah the, both surface supply gas which is the second thing you talked right. about where, okay. where a hose comes down um that's one way absolutely that way you can give and this is one of our our one of our pitches really to pharmaceutical companies or to researchers is like, hey, look at we know what your drug will do at one atmosphere for Parkinson's, let's say, or for whatever. Right. What will it do at two atmospheres on 50% oxygen? We don't know. Oh, how about, okay. How about range of motion? What will happen if we can get you in a zero gravity environment if you're a therapist with your patient and now they're getting 100% oxygen and they're able to move in ways they can't move on land? What will that benefit? How will that benefit them physiologically as well as psychologically? So that is where we're going with this. We want to we want to say, hey, let's, you know, let's work with pharmaceutical. Let's work with research and rehab. Let's talk about how one atmosphere, which we're at right now above water, how that changes when we go to two atmospheres at 33 feet or 66 or 99 or 130. And what happens when we start adding different percentages of gas? Now, higher percentage of oxygen, that's beneficial to all of us, right? Right. You know, higher up too. And now what happens when we take your, your, your pharmaceutical product and we give it to you in a percentage or, or, or completely. And, and those, that's all about my pay grade. I'm not a researcher there, you know, all that, but I do know that things are going to come out of this that no one 
as anticipated. We're going to see in a zero gravity environment therapy happen at a rate that would be astronomical once we get this facility built. And it's really just money. I mean, we've got everything else laid out. We've been at this, we've been, we've been at this for a while and you know, almost had it done a couple of times, but it helped us, you know, the misstarts. It's like, there are no failures, right? Right. I wanted a 40 foot pool. I didn't fail at getting a 40 foot pool. I found out that I needed a deeper pool. Right. So I, I, I kind of pushed that off to the side and said, let's do a deeper pool. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Well, and it's not very far-fetched. I know in my day job, when I'm not a Rotarian, my my partner worked with NASA and mm. astronauts have trained uh, there in the Keys in, underwater to figure out how they would respond to deep space travel, to, you know, putting things together. Every single time they go up there to the space station, they do the whole practice run underwater, right out there on the, out on the Keys in Florida, and they do it all two or three times in spacesuits. So you said that because the inspiration for our 40 foot pool was actually the Johnson space center in Mm -hmm. Houston, the the, uh, neutral buoyancy lab. That was where we got inspired. And I had people from Boeing and Northrop take me on a tour there. There were students of mine at the time. And they said, Jim, you want to come? I go, yeah. And I tried to get, we had a girl in our class, an adaptive diver with no arms and no legs. And I, and I went to the, the head of the pool at Johnson Space Center and said, can we get this girl in the pool? Yeah. And he said, oh, no, she has to be a rescue diver. I go, look, you have some of those highly trained people in the world around right. this woman right now. We got this. Right. She just needs to communicate and breathe and be able to equalize when we pinch her nose. And he's like, oh, no, she has to be a rescue diver. Well, I go, that's never happening because she was born with no arms and no legs. So you're telling mm-hmm. me no. And right. that's fine. But but the Johnson Space Center was really the, the inspiration for our first pool. So I so I'm, I want to switch topics a little bit and we're going to get back to, uh, of course, Dive Heart. But we spent a lot of time this summer, and this is this is my question. We spent a lot of time this past summer with diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And we have a special counsel. I have two very dear friends on said council. But when I looked back at diversity, equity, and inclusion, I found myself um, it, that it almost be a black-white issue. And, and if you disagree with me, rotarianpod at gmail.com, you can send me all the hate mail you want. But this is what I heard, that we have this diversity, equity, and inclusion, and there was a lot of time spent on LGBTQ, a lot of time spent on making sure everybody of color is happy and healthy, ageism, weightism, all these things. But one thing I didn't really hear was hi, my name's Bob and I'm blind. Can I be in rotary? Or hi, my name's Phil and I'm in a wheelchair. I'm a paraplegic. I would like to be in rotary. Rotary doesn't do anything in Braille. Rotary to my does very few things in closed caption, which to be my own devil's advocate, we do have a lot of languages. So it's like, what closed caption language do you pick? But are we being fair in our diversity, our equity, and most importantly, our inclusion 
when we do not have anything for some of the folks you work with? You know, that's an excellent question, and I get that a lot. And what I always like to say is that um, disabilities don't discriminate. No, they don't. And neither do, <laughs> and neither do we. Right. That's okay. Kind of really, elevator speech, that's it. We don't discriminate. Okay. We work with everyone. In fact, we were talking a little bit earlier. I mean, I want to talk to you further about a, a documentary I'd like to get done called Weightless, where we mm-hmm. talk to people struggling with weight issues. Because I've had people in my own organization say, Jim, why do you want to get them in the water? That's not a disability. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I go, we don't discriminate. Right. You know, people of all abilities are welcome. Mm-hmm. So, so people are struggling with weight issues. I, one of my instructors has been, he's over 400 pounds. He gets in the water and he's an angel. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's one of the best people underwater that I've ever seen. But I mean, to, to not let him have that chance is wrong. It was wrong. You're not let, let anyone have a chance because someone thinks you're more disabled and or too disabled to do this or that. One thing I saw, because my daughter's blind from birth, I'll never forget. We were in an event and, and parents are cutting food for their blind children. And I go, hi, what are you doing? And they go, well, Johnny's blind. He can't see. He can't cut his food. I go, wait a minute. I go, I made, I made my daughter probably way too independent, (laughs) which I I regretted later when she became a teenager. Right. Dad, I went, I went, you're crippling your child Mm -hmm. by doing things for them that they should be able to do on their own. Right. And that's as a parent who I'm looking at my peers of parents who have children with disabilities saying to them, let them learn. Let them do mm. this stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're a Rotarian. Yes. Downers Grove, Downers Grove Rotary. Rotary Club of Downers Grove. Ta-da. There you go. Ta-da. That's west of Chicago, about miles. That's right. Chicago, yeah. where you go for your best scuba diving. That, that'll be yeah. our tagline at the end of the show. Chicago, think of it for scuba diving, not just for the big silver bean downtown dive, in, dive, dive in, right. into chicago there oh my god okay copyright that the tourist board of chicago is going to try and steal that from us oh we have an incredible music video that a friend of mine <laughs> called dive in so it's dive yeah, in. we'll share that with you so why'd you become a rotarian which came first dive oh. heart rotary or rotary or dive heart like which came right. first um i was looking for a piece of equipment for my blind daughter i was at wgn radio at the time the library did not have a visual tech, which blows up print. Right. They said, but the Lions Club donated one to us years ago. So I contact the Lions Club. So after many phone calls, I found out they lost it somehow. Some, somebody lost it. And then the Lions guys go, well, why don't you become a lion and raise money to get another one? Why not? And I'm like, absolutely. I'll do it. So I became a lion when I was at WGN Radio. Um, guys talked me into becoming a Shriner. Turns out my youngest daughter. Did you get a Fez and one of the little cars? I have a, I have a Fez. Yeah. Oh my God. I've always wanted a Fez. 
I mean, I'm a proud Rotarian, but I think but, the fezes are cool, man. Well, I would have worn my one. daughter went to Shriners Hospital with scoliosis. Okay. They fixed her. And I, I GN, I, I helped them out as much as I could media-wise, getting them free advertising and stuff. And we, our first trips were with kids from Shriners Hospital. We've probably done 20 trips with kids from Shriners Hospital. Wow. And I, I have known Rotarians for years. And then one day... I'm putting tanks in my motorhome, which I'm taking down to the quarry to do training for the weekend. And a car pulls up and two Rotarians go, hey, we just went to an RV place that wanted to charge us $1,500 for a weekend. We have an event where we need a, a safe house for the money to count the money. We mm-hmm. thought a motorhome would be a great idea. And I go, you could borrow mine. And they went, what? We could borrow yours. So that's how I got into the Downers Grove Rotary. And, and it, we joke about it. It's a safe place to count money. I know Kent, Kent Ebersfold uh, was right there. And we joke about it today uh, about how I got into Rotary. But, but that has helped us grow Rotary around the world and, or grow Rotary, but grow dive hard around the world is working with Rotarians. And most recently, Kent introduced me to a mother of a gold star. She's a gold star mother. Her son Mm. died in the army. He was in Japan. He actually was a diver. Wow. He was diving during his accident. She wrote a children's book last year about him and it had to do with diving and underwater. And when Kent heard about this he goes you have to meet Jim and we talked and now she is we're both promoting her book and 50 percent of the proceeds are going to create a scholarship for veterans with disabilities who can't afford to do whatever you know get right. trained or go on a trip or and we have all sorts of scholarships that help cover all this stuff for people so you don't need to the money diving has always been perceived as a rich man's sport basically like diving golf all those are just like rich man's rich man's sport right right and it's not it's not we have we have tons of gear and stuff that we make available to people and 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 some people we ask for donations other people we just give it to them and it's um it's been very very rewarding and people are very generous so so you're a proud rotarian Yes. So every Rotarian then has their it moment. And this is one of my favorite questions. Like what, what's the, what is, what is a memory when you're doing this either as a Rotarian or as Braveheart and Braveheart? I keep saying That's Braveheart in my common. brain. I'm going, you, we you know will I, not be for Why yeah. did I name this Diveheart? Because I want people to. Well, it works. Back and go I've got, it, I've right? got Mel Gibson with blue face, blue right? face paint across him right now. I'll take it. Okay. So. <laughs> Dive heart outside of dive heart or as a Rotarian, is there a memory that you think of and puts a smile on your face every time of, of some of the it moments that you've had doing this yeah. work? Oh yeah, absolutely. I was in Singapore and I was training uh, a commercial dive operation invited us there to show people with disabilities, how they could potentially work in commercial diving, mainly thinking about blind people who could potentially weld. Cause when you're di- when you're welding in diving, you're probably in black water. So you can't see anything anyway. So it'd be perfect for people who are visually impaired. So I'm about to get in the water to do this demonstration. And this guy walks up to me from Malaysia, from Kuala Lumpur. And he says, Jim Elliot, Jim Elliot. He goes, we met three years ago at a dive show. Here's a picture. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting weirded out now. This guy's stalking me, right? <laughs> and, and then my executive director's there. I go, 
Tina and Marie, can you please talk to him about what we need to do if he wants to start a program? Right. And I got in the water and I tell you, and one of the things we stress is you need to identify all the rotary clubs that you possibly can in, in Malaysia. And, mm-hmm. and you need to get us in front of as many of them as you can during the day before I get in the water with the students or whatever the case is. And, and his name is Saeed. And he was the chief financial officer of the Kuala Lumpur airport system. And wow. he ran a dive shop called Kids Kids Scuba. And I'll tell you what, I have decades in the media business. And Saeed gets as much, if not more, publicity in, in media than I do. But it, it's helping <laughs> grow adaptive scuba throughout Asia. Wow. And it's helped. He just presented for us in Moscow this year. He'll be presenting for us in Dubai later in the year. Wow. And we, I tell him, reach out to Rotarians everywhere you go. Yeah. We need this to grow. This is a community, very nuclear community effort. Mm-hmm. So if it's Downers Grove, we need to identify all the groups with disabilities and all the veterans and all the Rotarians and and work with other service organizations like like Lions and like Knights of Columbus and like, Mm -hmm. you know, Shriners and different groups so that we can collaborate on on different things. I I love it. I well, here. So here's then a question then, because I um. And I, and I just have a few more for you. And I thank you for taking the time. We have action groups and we have fellowships. And one of the fellowships and actually one of the e-groups that I met was a group that I've actually interviewed for the show was an e-group of veterans and a fellowship of veterans. Is that a place for you to start in the rotary world is to link on to those fellowship groups? Because we do have fellowships of of rotary veterans out there? The answer is yes, yes, and yes. Mm-hmm. I've been in a member of the uh, scuba diving fellowship. Right. Um, unfortunately, I don't have time to go on a pleasure dive because my diving is always, always focused. But do we have fellowships that should be talking to each other? Like yes. the scuba guys talk yeah. to the veteran guys, Absolutely. talk to the disabled guys, talk Absolutely. to the... I, and, and those are, shame on me for not... I forget you. earlier, but that, that is a brilliant, brilliant way to, to grow what we do and, and, and cross pollinate yes. some of our efforts as Rotarians. And, and I would love to talk to, if you know somebody who knows somebody who I would love to talk to them about how to get that going, our bandwidth is, is so much, mm-hmm. right. And, and we are doing things all over the world and I'm doing it on a, on a shoestring budget. I'm a volunteer. I work seven days a week. I have people from, you sound like the average Rotarian, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I have many people (laughs) from organizations like Accenture that volunteer for us. Thank God um, that have greater skills than I do. My IT guy is from major league baseball. I mean, we couldn't pay these people if we had to, but I I use the rotary spirits above Mm -hmm. self. Well, and I and I put a challenge out to uh, the Surfers Alliance Fellowship, which has been on the show before, who I know I know listens very much. The Divers Fellowship, all these other fellowships, you know, get in touch with DiveHeart.org and get some of these. I think it just to me, it seems like just makes sense. You know, you have all these. Here's this group. Here's this group. And maybe all those groups join together and make a whole new group. (laughs) 
Well, you know, you know, it just seems logical. I think it's brilliant. What you said is, is right on the money. I mean, mm-hmm. the veterans groups, the groups of pe- uh, people that serve people with disabilities, medical groups, doctors, therapists, right. all those are right in our wheelhouse. I mean, and that's where we're going. It's not about diving. It's no. about taking zero gravity and using it to help people imagine the possibilities in their life through scuba therapy. Yeah, it's amazing. So we do have a traditional question, and I know I've kept you here quite some time. Um, and I know you also said that I am not your only Zoom call today, so I appreciate it. Um, I have another hour. I'm good. Oh, you have another, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, we always talk about the four-way test here on this show. Um, some people say it's very esoteric. Some people say it's how they run their business. Some people say it's not even needed anymore in this world. What does the four-way test mean to you and how do you bring it into dive heart or just your life in general? I think it's a, it's a short, brilliant way to articulate um, how to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. That's kind of it. Right. I mean, all yeah. the is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? Will it be beneficial to all concerned? Those those elements is will make the world a better place. And I agree, especially will it build goodwill and better friendships is one yeah. I've been sticking we, we on. We already have here. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh-huh. Yes. Back at you. Well, and it's it's very funny because we've we've talked a lot about is it the truth? And even to a point of, well, my truth could be different than your truth. But one that I've really been sticking on lately is the building goodwill and better friendships that sometimes it, I, sometimes I find it hard. There's like there's I look at some of the news and it's like, God, would it have been that difficult just to say, I'm sorry, or I was wrong or oops or <laughs> any of these, yeah. you know, would work in our in our language, you know, it to build goodwill and better friendships sometimes just can be a smile or yep. here's a good, here's an oldie, but goodie. Thank you. And please. <laughs> but, you know, when, when volunteers help me, I take them out for dinner and stuff and mm-hmm. thank them that way, just by giving back to them. And I do that personally, you yeah. know, just to say you were there for me. I didn't have to unload this box truck full of dive equipment at, you know, in February, you know, at eight o'clock at night, everything's freezing as you're getting it out of the vehicle. Thank you for that. Let's go next door to belly doils. (laughs) You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, you just do the best you can and, uh, and right. But I think it's friendships. Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, an understanding. I mean, when I sit down with somebody I don't know from another culture and I sit down, and I get to have bread, break bread with them. Now we have a better understanding. What are our common points? What are our mm-hmm. goals as, as humans first? Right. Differences will always be there and, you know, but that's okay. You know, right. we, we, anyway. yeah. So I got one more question for you and I'm going to kind of adapt it. I normally ask people for their elevator speech, but you already did. You already gave me my elevator thing. So I've got a different one. Let's say tomorrow, and I've given this to a couple of people that have projects and, and they're kind of speechless. So I'm hoping this question is one that, that you've thought about. And that is, let's say tomorrow morning, somebody just says, I'm going to totally finance this whole thing. And I want it to happen. What is your absolute 
goal. If you have all the money in the world, you have all the volunteers in the world, everything you've asked for has just been answered tomorrow. What is the actual goal of Diapart? I mean, it's doing research, it's doing training, it's got adapted divers. What is its purpose? What do you want Diveheart to be? Well, we've we've come to realize in our 20th year that, that we're, we're, we can't do everything ourselves. Right. It's a, we, okay. we need to train and, and grow this so that it's scalable around the world, so that every community can work with Rotary groups and do this in, in Dubai and do this in Moscow and do this in Beijing or wherever they happen to do it. Um, to answer your question in two seconds, it would be like, don't screw it up. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> If somebody said, here's a checkbook, dude. Um, but I, I really think that at this point, we, you know, growing our, our training program responsibly would be one goal. But but this facility, if we could get this done tomorrow, this mm-hmm. would be a template. And my goal would be to replicate this template around the world so that we could take people from areas they're never going to travel to Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're never going to come here, but they're in South America or Central America or they're in Asia or wherever they're at. And, and to, to replicate this facility that can serve people in that region, right? Because this is going to be a destination that draws people from if not hundreds, thousands of miles potentially, to come and go, my child has cerebral palsy. I I have the means to get this child here. Mm -hmm. Or our Rotary Club has the means to get this child here. What can we do with them? Maybe there's researchers from their university medical centers locally or, or their therapists that wanna come and be part of this research and therapy. Grow that. And then tell those stories around the world and inspire more and more and more and more and more because and and make people, like I said earlier, good stewards of the environment. Mm -hmm. Now you have thousands of people of all abilities that have an opportunity to be good stewards of the environment, benefit from scuba therapy, help develop cutting edge research. So, Water heals. We're all equal. We're all equal. Well, we are mostly made up of water. I think sometimes we forget that. True. True that. The planet is mostly water. We're mostly water. And uh, DiveHeart.org is working every day to make water heal. How does that sound? Jim Elliott, what an honor to meet you. This was so much fun. We'll talk more. Yeah, let's. I I am I I have said it. It's diveheart.org. Um check it out. I uh, invite you guys to check out his TED Talk. I invite you guys to uh there's a, some really cool stuff on YouTube. Um and uh I I you know, what the heck? I I wouldn't mind a 40-foot deep pool around me somewhere to healing people. I think it sounds like a plan. Let's make it happen, shall we? We'll do great things. (laughs) Absolutely. So what do you think of Elliot and his idea? Now, when I said you could check out his YouTube videos and his TED Talk, I do. I mean, the TED Talk is cool. I mean, gosh, TED's cool. What can I say? Free plug for TED. But hey, check out his YouTube videos. Why? Because you actually get to see... Jim and Dive Heart in action. 
You get to see these folks rolling up in wheelchairs and becoming amazing, amazing scuba divers within seconds. You can see their smiles right through the masks. You just got to see it. Go check it out. Go, go, go check it out. Diveheart.org. Well, thank you so much for joining uh, Jim Elliott and I in the conversation today. We do hope that you like the podcast. Hey, if you do, do tell a friend, have them subscribe and rate us because I've said this a million times. It helps people find us. And if you know somebody that I should interview on the show, like Jim, he was a suggestion, let me know, please. Rotarianpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to hear the more musical side of me every Wednesday night over there across the pond, I am on Rotary Radio UK with a show called Greetings from America. In fact, during the holiday season, I had a blast putting a whole bunch of holiday music shows together. It was fun. (laughs) All right, then. Like I said at the beginning of the show, Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me, and I'll hear you next time on the I'm a Rotarian podcast. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a great week.